6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Hebrews with a session entitled Luke chapter 21. But before all these, whoops, remember Matthew said after these things, and he went on to talk about a bunch of stuff. Luke, but before all these, they shall lay their hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and the prisons, and brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Wow. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to gainsay or resist. And ye shall be betrayed by parents, by brethren, kinsfolk, and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. Wow. In your patience possess ye your souls, and when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof, of Jerusalem, is near. Then, let them which are in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them which are in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter in there. In other words, get out of town and don't let your friends come back. Right? For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. He's talking about the siege of Jerusalem. Now what you need to understand... Let's go back now to A.D. 60s. Vespasian is a major general. His son Titus is a general under him. He is commanded by Caesar Nero to attack Jerusalem. He and his son have gathered, they've been attacking the northern uh, towns and so forth in Judea. But Jerusalem is still there. Vespasian was commanded by Nero to attack Jerusalem. Now, uh, uh, they attack the cities in the galley and so forth, so far. But then Nero dies. When the boss dies, all bets are off. His orders now are scratched. Okay? Can you imagine the empire? The confusion? Nero's dead. Three different guys are trying to take over. They do for a few months. There's just confusion in, in Galba, Otho, and Vitellius try to take over, and it's a mess. One kills the other. It's just intrigues. Vespasian is a popular general, and he decides to play his cards, and he goes to Rome and takes over the empire, where the other guys fumble, get kill each other. He gets in there. He is now Caesar. Okay? Now, what does he do? He tells his son, now that that's all over, about nine months of messing around, finish what we started you know, complete the siege of Jerusalem. This is all in Josephus, volume 6 of the Wars of the, Wars of the Jews. Now, once you get the picture, the armies were gathered there. They didn't close because Vespasian went to Rome. The whole mess took nine months. So for nine months, these armies are in the hills, but they haven't sealed off the city yet. 
Jesus had told them, when you see Jerusalem compassed about in armies, get out of town. And don't let your friends come back, right? Okay. We know from Eusebius that the Christians escaped to Pella, which is one of the Decapolis. We talked about that last time, okay? This, Titus seals off the city in, those, in nine months subsequently, roughly. A million and a half men, women, and children are slaughtered in the fall of Jerusalem, 70 AD. But according to three of the historians, no Christians were lost because they had fled to um, Pella. The ones in Jerusalem are following Jesus' instructions that he gave them in the temple. I'll show you that in a minute. Uh, Paul's letter to the Hebrews wasn't necessarily in Jerusalem, but in general, the combination of Paul's letter and Christ's presentation in Luke 21 is why the believers didn't get killed. And continuing Luke 21, but woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon his people, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So it started being trodden down in 70 AD. Is it still being trodden down? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm among those that exaggerated the importance of June of 67 when we regained the old city. Because I thought, wow, that, that finishes it. No, it doesn't. It's still being trodden down by the Gentiles, the Condoleezza Rices and the George Bushes and whoever, and will do so until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What is included in the times of the Gentiles? The Antichrist. So in 780, through the days of the Antichrist, Jerusalem's going to be a problem. That's exactly what Zechariah says in Zechariah 12, verses 2 and 3. Onward. And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations and perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be taken. Now, I remember Walter Martin, whenever he read that verse, he would say, men's hearts failing themselves for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth. And he'd always gesture with a saucer, you know. He was convinced there was a flying saucer. So. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. And when these things become, begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Word redemption there is, is uh, re uh, releasing affected by payment of ransom. That term in the Greek is always used in six other places to refer to the redemption as we think of it in Christ. And he spake to them in parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees... Not just the fig tree. Many scholars make a big thing, the fig tree is a symbol of Israel or something. No, in Luke account, it's, it's idiomatic in a broader sense. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, and you see, you know their own selves, that summer is now nigh at hand. And I can remember marching down Stribling Walk at the Naval Academy during what we call the Dark Ages. That's the January, February time period. Bare trees. And you'd be marching, and as you're marching down every morning to class, whatever, you'd see the trees just begin to look a little bit green. You'd just see them sprout. As you, and it was like a week, and kaboom, spring was there. It just, you knew that the spring was hitting, hitting hard. Anyway, so likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Is that the same generation in Matthew 24? I maintain that it's not, and I'll show you why. 
Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Wow. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So we have these strange beginning of sorrows. There's also a cluster of cosmic upheaval, I'll call it, that they, all, they both make reference to. Yeah, this will be clearer when I diagram it here in a minute. And a great earthquake shall be in divers places, famines, pestilence, fearful sights, great signs. Uh, but before all these, that's the key point, before all these, all this other stuff's going to happen. Luke 21 is but before these things, and Matthew, all these are the beginning of sorrows, and then shall they. In other words, Luke is talking before that cluster, Matthew later. What cluster am I talking about? The false Christ, the wars, famines, and so forth. Let's diagram Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Both accounts draw upon a cluster of what, what Matthew calls beginning of sorrows, wars, famines, earthquakes, and so forth. Both accounts climax at the end with these cosmic signs and upheavals and so forth. No problem so far. But when Matthew gets to this cluster of things, beginning of sorrows, then, that is after that, we have the abomination of desolation, and we have him detail the great tribulation and the time of Jacob's trouble. Okay, no problem. When Luke talks about this cluster of signs, before these things, he talks about the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Matthew's not talking about that. Matthew is giving an inside briefing to his inside group. Luke is, by the way, Matthew is in the in in night in uh, at night on the Mount of Olives. Luke's account is during the day in the temple. Different audience, different, similar but different audience, different emphasis. It's interesting that. Uh, Matt, the first des the desolation of Jerusalem in 70 AD is what Luke is focusing on. The desolation that you and I are looking forward to, so to speak, or looking at uh, forthcoming, is the desolation of Jerusalem under the Antichrist and all of that. It's interesting that when Jesus speaks to those about the fall of Jerusalem, he says to them, This generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. 38 years from the time he said that comes 70 A.D. and that Jerusalem falls. The same length of time that the nation of Israel wandered in the wilderness, 38 years. We say 40 in round terms, but Luke 2, Deuteronomy 2, 14 says it's 38 years. This generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. And that generation that heard that, if they split, they lived to, to see, so to speak, the Jerusalem fall. When Matthew, when he says it to the Matthew context, he's talking about the last generation on the planet before he returns. That generation shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Okay. Now where does the church fit in here? Seven letters, seven churches occur prior to all these, this cluster of signs is Revelation chapter 6, this opening of the seven-sealed book. Prior to chapter 6 is chapters 2 and 3, the churches. 
And the churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. When you study these churches, you'll discover, among other things, they seem to lay out the history of the church. The apostolic church, the persecuted church, the married church to the world, the medieval church, the denominational church, the missionary church, and the apostate church, the days that we're in now. So it shouldn't surprise us that most pulpits have denied Christ, in effect, the blood of Christ. Okay. Now what's interesting is we also find these letters clustered. The first group have the promises to the overcomer postscripted like a PS after the closing uh, uh, line. These others, the promises to the overcomer are incorporated in the body of the letter. But there's something else that the second group have. The second group, the last four, have explicit references to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And by the way, one of these, the Thyatira, has a promise that it will go into the Great Tribulation if it doesn't get its act together. One of these is a promise that it won't go through the Tribulation. And so the rest of these are problematical. So the first three have not endured to the end, in the sense where in the last four are. At least that's one view that you can explore on your own. But getting back to this Matthew 24, Luke 21 thing, it's interesting to notice what Luke doesn't even mention. He doesn't even talk about the Great Tribulation. No mention of it. Why? Because we're not there. We're with Him. And in the daytime He was teaching in the temple. At night He went out and abode the Mount of, which is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to, hear, to Him in the temple to hear Him. Everybody misses in Luke 21 because it's near the end. It's a different occasion. Different audience, different emphasis. Okay. Matthew speaking to the Jews, specifically the last generation of Jews. It's a private briefing on the Mount of Olives. Luke is to the Gentiles and Jews, the believers in the temple. And so, eschatology. The hiatus of the siege in 70 AD, we've talked about that. The abomination of desolation, the stand in the holy place. You need to study that and understand what's going on there. Need to understand who Antiochus Epiphanes was. It's interesting that Jesus said, when you see the abomination, desolation, stand in the holy place. It's interesting that Caligula and Petronius, Petronius, Caligula, when he was Caesar, instructed his general in Judea to erect a statue in the Holy of Holies of him. Petronius knew that if he did that, he's going to have an uprising just like Maccabean revolt it's a few centuries earlier. So he didn't carry out the order. When Caligula found out that he didn't follow his orders, he ordered Petronius killed, executed. But then, within a week or two, Caligula dies. And by a mix-up at sea, the message of Caligula's death gets to Judea before the order for Petronius to be killed. So it never happens. And I think it's fascinating to see how God prevented an abomination of desolation occurring until his time is ready. That's how we know there's going to be a temple in Jerusalem. It has to be rebuilt in order for it to be desecrated the way the Scripture talks about. Now there's another implication, that's the deity of Christ. Do you realize that Jesus Christ predicted the fall of Jerusalem 38 years when he said that remark? 38 years later, it comes down. He predicted it in the temple teaching. He predicted it when he rode that donkey. And we often overlook that, that precision that he predicted the fall of Jerusalem 38 years later, expressly so. So therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. All of the things we've talked about are things that occur 
after the rapture of the church. There are all kinds of things that will occur prior to, prior to um, um, the second coming of Christ. But they occur between the gathering of the church and the final thing. So there we are. Now I have just a few, few little remarks I want to add in here. You've been through some studies here. If you've been paying attention, it should highlight for each of us an action plan. What are you going to do about it? Everyone, God is not finished with every one of us in this room, me included. Every one of us in this room needs to raise the bar on our personal walk. Every one of us need to grow towards maturity. So what's God calling you to do? How many of you are saved? Can I see a show of hands? Praise God. What have you done with it? You know, Jeremiah makes the remark, and, and, and so does uh, um, Zechariah, several do, that they were called before they were born. They were shaped for God, what God had in mind. What has God called you to do? That's the great challenge in life, to discover what it is and raise the bar in your own walk. Now, how do you do that? How do you raise your bar? One is you, what you want to do is join a during-the-week study group. Some of you may consider this a study group, and that's great, except it's not really a study group. Study group is less than 12 people, 6 to 12. Why? So that you can ask questions without being embarrassed. So you can hold each other accountable. You want to be in a study group, and we typically assume 6 to 12 is, a, is, is the right kind of a number, for a lot of reasons. If you can't find one, start one. It's easy today. Invite some neighbors over for a coffee and some donuts and pop a DVD in the player and discuss it. Kick it around. And it'll get addictive. They'll want to come next week. Let's do another one. Watch and see what happens. But make that gathering studying the Word of God. In any case, whether you do it that way, commit yourself to a systematic study of the Bible. You say, well, I read it every day. That's devotional reading. I take that for granted. You should be in a systematic study. And maybe for most of you, this is part of what it is. Praise God for that. But whatever it is, respond to His calling now. Time is short. Now, I want to also acquaint the, the listeners here that there is a think tank that you can be part of, a think tank for Christians. And uh, every one of us can be involved in this. Thanks to the Internet, there are unbelievable resources available. Yes, there's a lot of other nonsense too, but in that there's the most awesome resources. You can find out what the Greek or Hebrew in your Bible means without knowing Hebrew or Greek. Check out the Blue Letter Bible and find out how it works. There's dozens of ways to do it. You have fellowship now without borders. You can have friends in a, in a Bible study in a virtual classroom that are in Israel or Finland or wherever. In fact, you can, it's not only is it without geographic borders, it's without denominational borders. The members of the think tank come from all kinds of backgrounds. What they have in common is a love for the Word of God and a love for Jesus Christ. No geographic, but we now have at least 20, something like 20 countries involved. But it's also non-denominational, but it's very fundamental. If you really want to take your Bible seriously and you want to mix with people who do take the Bible seriously, this is the place to do it. And you can do this on your own clock. If you take a course, you don't have to sign up Tuesdays at 7.30 to 9.30 every Tuesday. No, no. You do commit yourself to a couple hours a week, but it can be any time in the week, 5 a.m. It can be at midnight. It can be the afternoon with your kids sitting on the couch. Whatever. It's on your own clock. 
Yes, you have to win a couple hours, but you can text message yourself in and out of all of that. You're all set. And by the way, you can do all of this, get university credit. There are kids in high school that are getting college credit in advance. You're homeschooling. It's an incredible way to have your kids learn the Bible and at the same time be accumulating academic credits of various kinds. So we're an international fellowship headquartered in uh, New Zealand. Koinonia House is our publisher, and it's the largest electronic publisher in the Christian field, probably, and uh, with DVDs and what have you. And it has a website, khouse.org. And we also have an online fellowship there. The institute is the think tank. Undertakes strategic studies. We have a network, a surveillance network around the world to keep tabs on what's going on. You can get graduate course credit for the work that's going on there. It has a separate website, www.studycenter.com. Two different websites, chaos.org for the publishing, studycenter.com, that's at the campus. Check it out, find out about it. It's based on three different tracks. The Berean track is this Bible study part, motivated by Acts 17.11. To receive the word with all openness of mind, but search the scriptures daily to prove where those things be so. That's the, that's the backbone of everything we do. We have a second track that makes us distinctive. I know of no other Bible institute that does this. We have what we call the Issachar track, motivated by 1 Chronicles 12.32. To be like the sons of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times and knew what their country had to do. So we, that's our prophecy and stewardship track. People ask me, gee, what, uncertainties are coming. What do I do? That's what the Issachar track's all about. The third track is the doing part. Up till now, it's all academic. The third part is do, the doing part. That's motivated by the third commandment, Exodus 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And what does that mean? That has, we don't believe it has anything to do with swearing or vocabulary. No, no. What it has to do with is ambassadorship. If you're going to take the name of the king, you should be prepared to represent him competently and faithfully. So the Koinos track is the doing, the practical stuff. We've got a team of students that are going to Israel to help build some stuff and so on. Whatever. The, if the kids define their own practicums for that whole area. And uh, to be a Koinos, a partner, a participant. So the Brian thing starts going, uh, learn the Bible 24 hours and goes verse by verse through the whole Bible. The Iskar track starts studying the strategic trends, tries to specialize in some area of interest, and if some of them will become uh, part of our net or surveillance network. The coin track starts off with basic spiritual disciplines, small group participation, and then you can graduate into teaching assistantships or regional uh, ambassadorships. All of this can be done with university course credit. Uh, Louisiana Baptist University, a primary partner. We have four others that are joining so that there's a number of paths that people can take. But to, what, since most of our students are not interested in academics, we have a mechanism to try to balance the work. As you get to the first level in all three, you get earned a bronze medallion. When you get to the second level in all three, you get a silver and finally the gold and so on. That's just a, like trail markers, just to, make the, just to make it fun. And so we have these medallions that uh, uh, are attendant with special privileges and what other things. Something else about the Institute that's new, I'll just mention, is for the Issachar track, we're growing, investing in what we call the Issachar database. And it's an online mammoth information retrieval system. It is fed by our surveillance network of our research associates around the world, people who are, because of their professional qualifications or because of their proximity to centers of influence, feed the database of what's really going on in China, in Europe, in Babylon, what have you. 
We also subscribe and feed the database from proprietary sources. We subscribe to the commercial intelligence sources. Um, and there are literally uh, hundreds of thousands of documents that are available through, through, the, through those subscription services. But also our students don't do term papers, they do presentations. Five-minute bullet briefings, or 15-minute topical briefings, or 45-minute comprehensive briefings. Those briefings, typically multimedia, are also put in the database and uh, can be uh, um, retrieved and amended and so forth. So that's the, uh, uh, the uh, resource that's available to those that are interested there. Two websites, chaos.org, studycenter.com. How can you get involved? Well, first of all, you've got to decide to undertake a personal lifelong learning program. It doesn't end with a gold medallion. There's more coming. That's, uh, that's, that's not the point. You, it's all volunteer. You, when you're assigned to a virtual classroom, there's a live teaching assistant that's there to coach you through to completion. People volunteer to help and do that. There are area representatives that we recruit. There are research assistants, people that are, for one reason or another, are in a position to keep us informed in certain areas. You can also, if you're inclined, sponsor special programs, student prizes, incentives, scholarships, so forth. There are practicums and internships, also endowments for course development. We're trying to include uh, uh, materials for many, many different experts as the thing grows. That's, that's the dream, and uh, that's what we're all about. Let's stand for a closing word of prayer. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we just praise you for your word. We thank you for the times in which we live. We thank you, Father, for the opportunities that are before us. We do pray, Father, through your Holy Spirit and through your word, that you would sensitize us to precisely what it is you would have of each of us in the days that remain. We do pray, Father, that you would help each of us to grow to spiritual maturity, to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior to make us more effective stewards of the resources and opportunities that you've placed before us. That in all these things, we might be more pleasing in thy sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, for we commit ourselves into your hands, indeed, in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to 6640 the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Hebrews. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. <laughs>